It's time for Off The Clock with Dean Kuchar, the only podcast that brings you business brunt conversations with phenomenal guests, as well as the kind of fun and games that you have come to expect from the Off The Clock events right here in our Swigert Hall home. Join host Dr. Gene Kuchar each month as he connects with three guests about topics of interest in business that complement what's happening in the classroom and in the field. Now get ready for Off The Clock with Dean Kuchar, Brought to you by the Norm Brodsky College of Business at Ryder University, right here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome to Off the Clock with me, Dean Gene Kucher. If you spend any time at all in Swigert Hall, which is the academic home of the Brodsky College, you're familiar with that exhilarating aroma of brewed coffee and grilled cheese and the camaraderie of the workers behind the counter and the hustle and the bustle around Saxby's Cafe. Yes, it's a great place to get a cold brew, but there's a lot more to like about Saxby's if you look a little deeper. We love that it's a big on-campus employer. We love that it's an entirely student-run cafe. It's a hands-on leadership experience for team leads and a -a one-of-a-kind learning experience for that student CEO. And as a B Corp, they demonstrate accountability and transparency on social and environmental factors too. On today's episode, we'll hear how Saxby's is a great example of so many of the values we stand for here in the Brodsky College. Mission, social responsibility, entrepreneurship, a sense of community, and engaged learning. And I get to talk to Nick Bayer, founder and CEO, and a personification of these values. And I also get to talk to three of Ryder's Saxby's as CEOs. Here is our Saxby's episode. Our first guest is Nick Bayer. Nick is the founder and CEO of Saxby's Cafe. Last year, he was among the most admired CEOs as named by Philadelphia Business Journal. And he's been busy. Just this year, he has spoken at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, the United States Association for Small Business National Conference, and is touring many of the Saxby's College campus locations, including here at Ryder. And today, he's off the clock. Here's the interview with Nick Bayer. Nick Bayer, it is an honor to have you here on this episode of the Off the Clock podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Gene, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, a big theme here in the Brodsky College is, of course, entrepreneurship. Um, so I was very excited to get you on just to tell us a little bit about the Saxby's story. Can you bring us back in time to when you first decided to start Saxby's and let us know what was the inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I'll take you way, way back in time. So I think the the idea of what was ultimately to become Saxby's was, was something that was brimming far before I realized it was sort of happening in the back of my head. So I think like most of us in our professional pursuits, whether it's the start of a business, the scale of a business, nonprofit work, I think so many of us are motivated by, you know, our life path and our life journey. You know, there's a quote that I love to love to use as my own, but it's not my own. It's uh, Dr. Paul Offit from the Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, which is oftentimes the, the pains of our childhood become the passions of our adulthood. And I think that that very much sort of summarizes my journey to ultimately not only becoming an entrepreneur, but particularly Saxby's, a mission-driven certified B Corp. And my parents were were young when they had, they were teenagers, they didn't get a chance to get their education, and they pretty much took whatever job it is that they could get, you know, and I watched them for the 18 years that I lived in their house, work jobs that, that didn't define them and certainly didn't motivate them, you know, and they really wanted me to get my education so that I could go do something that I love to do. You know, I went and got my education, and at 22, I was taking the very quick inventory of my very few skills, and I, and I realized essentially two things. One, 
I feel like the best comes out of me. I think the best comes out of most people when we're forced to be competitive. You know, you have a test coming up. You know, you have a job interview coming up. You're going to go and work hard and prepare. And the best comes out of you when you're forced to be competitive. But for me, I think like most people, and what I realized when I was 22 was I'm happiest when I'm doing things for other people. So it's like, how can I put those two things together? How could how, how can I bring my A game every single day, but be impacting people's life, lives along that journey? And so for me, today, you fast forward many, many years forward, you know, the idea of being a social entrepreneur, building a scaling business with impact at the center of what it does is pretty common today, but was quite uncommon when I was coming through school because like yeah. the Brodsky School of Business didn't exist when I, when I uh, was coming through school. Teaching entrepreneurship in the higher ed space didn't exist when I was in school, right? The world has changed and reacted to the fact that a lot of people want to be or act entrepreneurially. So for me, it took a really long time to be able to figure out what that was. But my journey as an entrepreneur has been to do well by doing good, you know, create a for-profit business where impact was at the center of what we did. So when we scaled, not just with our financial performance scale, but so too with our social governance and, and environmental impact with it. Right now. And so why coffee for you back at that time? How did you get in that direction? You know, I, I just knew I wanted something that had low barrier to entry, right? I had very little skills, very little money. I needed something that was pretty low barrier to entry. But I also wanted something that had low barrier to entry from an employment and a consumer perspective as well. Right. And, and we think about coffee. You know, whether you are a PhD or a multimillionaire or someone who's just scrapping together a couple dollars, a great neighborhood community coffee shop is a welcoming place for any and everybody. And as I've learned over the years, as we've sort of built into the core of our business, it's a phenomenal job and way to be able to teach people business. Yeah. And so that's why I really liked coffee. I love the community side of it. I love the openness of it. I love the inviting nature of it. And I love that, that it's it's quintessentially a people business, right? I mean, it's it's no one wants to go to a coffee shop where it's just robots driving around. Like we go in there to communicate with, connect with other human beings. And, and that was part of my hypothesis early on. And, and that part has, has proven out to be pretty true and consistent with our mission and ethos. Any, any bumps in the road from those very early days that you can think huh. of? that you clear. I, I actually don't remember any um, smooth uh, parts yeah. of the road in those early days, Gene. So yes, there were there were many, many, many bumps. And that's, that's what happens when you don't write a business plan and you don't raise money and you don't create a SWOT analysis. You don't do any, I did none of those things, right? So I've been quite fortunate to talk to hundreds, if not thousands of burgeoning entrepreneurs, particularly in the higher ed space over the last decade plus. And, and as I frequently say, my story is a do as I say, not as I did. You know, people love like the early story, like what was that moment of genius when the idea popped in your head? I'm like, I'm still waiting for that moment of genius for me. Like it, it hasn't happened. It's never been that, you know, I just had this sort of like heart mind connection that I wanted to build an impactful business that was centered around people. And I jumped into the coffee space. So I think that there was some, so there, you know, that was a good decision. But from there, there were a lot of bad decisions, right? Like I, I always call like a, a good business plan is like a roadmap. Like we remember back in the day where if you want to go from point A to point B, you actually held an actual physical map, right? Instead of I want to go from center city, but Philadelphia for Ryder University. I have to go up 95. Yada, yada. Well, what happens when you're driving up to I-95 in the in the highway is shut down? You go yeah. back to your map and say, oh, this line connects to this line. I can drive up there. Your business plan as an entrepreneur is the same thing. Well, when you don't have a business plan and you're inherently hitting speed bumps 
and craters in the road and you don't have a business plan to go back, you start to, you know, you start to uh, duplicate and triplicate those mistakes, which is what I did early on. So yes, I've made a many, many, many mistakes, but I've also learned that over the last almost 20 years of doing this, that when you take the time and show the humility to sit and study your mistakes, oftentimes your greatest successes can come out of that. And the, and the example that I'll give is that Saxby's for 14, thir 13 years was a franchise business, right? Like we built a brand, we had operating standards, people would operate these as franchises. Yeah. And we were, we were, a, yeah a mediocre to good franchisor, right? Franchisees had some success in our system. We grew, we brought in some investments, but we were never going to be the outstanding, iconic, difference-making business that I knew that Saxby's could ultimately be. Okay. So if you think about our experiential learning platform today, it's essentially franchising for college students. College students are getting to run their own business, full penal authority, manage their peers, manage budgets, community, you know, community marketing, all kinds of different things. So if we hadn't had the experience, or I'll call it the failure of franchising, I'm not sure that the idea of experiential learning would have ever come about. And so I'm, I'm glad for that experience for that reason. That's great. I mean, because obviously, when you came to Ryder, it was such a perfect, you know, blend, so to speak, our engaged learning theme is the unifying experience for all Ryder students, the idea that as as excellent as our programs are, as excellent as our classes are, uh, it's, it's these experiences that students have outside the classroom and how they're able to make the link. So what attracted us so much when we first heard about Saxby's was that, yes, you're a coffee, coffee company, Yes, you're a cafe, um, but it was really all about the idea that you care that they're learning. You know, we there's lots of jobs students can have on campus, and there's lots of other cafes outside of campus they could work on. But this was a great, uh, you know, a great connector for them with what they're learning to what they could learn about business. And from one of the first things you said to us when we first started this relationship was, this is not just for students who want to go on and be cafe owners or work in, um, you know, in the hospitality industry. This is for anybody who wants to learn business. Absolutely. And, and we're very proud of that, right? I mean, because you, know, you have two things. One, 18 to 22 year olds. I remember what it was like to be 18 to 22, barely, but I remember what it was like. I have, I have a government degree, right? At that time, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because oftentimes you don't know early on in your life what you want to actually do. So we're, we're in the business of helping expose people to what is out there for them because our, these things are ex exclusively student run, right? So they have to do everything that happens in any other business. But the second thing is, is like we're teaching the skills that are really hard to teach in the classroom, but are so needed in adulthood and in our professional lives. Emotional intelligence, critical thinking, cultural agility, resilience, responsibility, those things as great as Ryder is. You can't teach the business side of school better than Ryder does. But there's other skills the students need to build upon. And I think that's a lot of what we do and, and do particularly well is that we're not trying to replace that education and we can't do that side of the education. But when students can learn in the classroom at Rider, push the doors open and then go put it to practice in a real consequence rich environment, that holistic education is going to give them and gives them the opportunity to go set the world on fire, go do what they're passionate about and be ready to be able to go do it and do it really well. And I can imagine just from hearing what you've said already about the purpose that drove you in the beginning, the ideas of doing good and having a, a sense of community, um, then paired with the idea that this experiential learning platform was even adding more of an education, it seems to me like uh, you wandered into a real sweet spot that nobody else really does. 
we're impacting people's lives, right? I mean, we work more than we do anything else, right? So when we can be in the, the skill providing business so that people can know what they're passionate about and then go be good at it, the happiness that provides them in their life is something that I didn't see in my parents, right? Like everything about work was stressful and uninspiring. And so for us to be in that business where we can play a critical part in someone's life, not just for the six months with the student CEO or the three years that they work at Saxby's Rider while they're in school, but it's like the gift that keeps on giving. It benefits them three years out of school, 20 years out of school, 25 years out of school. It's the best possible way to make a living. It's probably exactly why you went into the higher ed space. It's exactly why what we do is, is to be able to help impact people's lives in a very measurably positive way. Yeah, congratulations for that. It's it's wonderful to hear, and uh, your your enthusiasm and passion is contagious. So it's really great to hear it right from from the source. So we're gonna go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronx.com. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kucher here on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronx.com. Proudly nominated for 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. We're happy to be back with Nick Bayer, the founder and CEO of Saxby's. Um, you mentioned earlier in our conversation, Nick, the idea that Saxby's is, is a certified B Corporation. And I'd like for you to share more about that with us. Can you describe for us what that is uh, and what does Saxby's need to do to maintain that credential? Yeah, I mean, I think becoming B Corp certified, which happened for us um, you know, almost three years ago at this point, you know, we, we've been working on it for many years. I mean, as you could say, we've been working on it since the day we were created, although Saxby's was created before B Corps actually existed. But we, we've been working on it and try to, trying to hold ourselves to that standard for a really long time. But we actually officially chinned the bar about three years ago. But high level, you know, Businesses that become certified B Corps are those that meet the highest standards of verified performance, accountability, and transparency, and pretty much a range of factors in business with the exception of financials, right? So as we know, you know, anyone who studies business or in the business world can understand how to evaluate a business financially, right? There's audits, and you look at revenue, and you look at costs, and you look at profitability. But for every other factor of how a business is run, there's been no consistent measure of what success and high standard looks like until B Corp, right? And so we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, sort of what my personal motivation has been as to why I want to become an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, particularly the creation of, of Saxby's. So as we started this business, I like to say that Saxby's has been, excuse me, we've been philanthropic longer than we've been profitable, right? Like we've always been very focused on who we employ, how we train them, how we empower people, supporting our communities. And the more that we started to do it, I know that we have never been and we are not, and we will never be perfect, but I felt like we were doing a lot, especially for our size. And so as we started to get bigger and we started to see consumers and young people be more interested in the whole notion of how impactful or not a business is, we started to actively look for ways to be able to measure that. I just didn't want Nick Bayer or other leaders at Saxby to be able to get on a podcast and say, trust me, Gene, we're impactful. Let me give you a couple examples, and then that will mean that we're impactful. I don't want you to take my opinion for it. I want you to take a third party that audits the best of the best, the companies that all think that they're the most impactful, 
audit us on how diverse we are, how much we pay our people, what are our environmental practices, what are our human resource practices. And so we work on it for many, many years. It's super rigorous. Takes a long time to just be able to complete their survey. Once you complete the survey, if you get a passing study, you know, a passing score, they then send you an auditor. So everything that you said in the in the test, in the survey, they, they call it the assessment. Now you have to back it up. Reams and reams of paperwork and interviews and comparing you to, to your peers inside and outside your industry. Right. And so to get that certification was, was a big deal for us. We celebrate it every single day. We don't have an impact department at Saxby's because impact and B Corp certification lives in every department. Our HR department, our training, our marketing, our coffee, it lives in every single department because a lot of companies, most companies today have an impact department, but they're cornered away somewhere. The CEO doesn't even know that they exist and they have no power in the organization. You know, impact lives everywhere in our company. And so every three years, our next audit is coming up very soon. We don't plan to just stay a B Corp. We plan to improve and get better, right? Like we are pushing ourselves. B Corp is pushing us. Like how do we continue to raise our score? And by doing things like this and employing how many students that we employ at Ryder and having a Saxby's right in the middle of campus, how can the next generation of leaders and entrepreneurs build even better and more impactful businesses than Saxby's? That's a core part of being a B Corp is spreading the gospel and helping sort of like rise the tide for, for all the next boats that are going to float on that tide as well. Yeah, I love that last point. So yeah, again, congratulations for that. I, I look forward to seeing who is it that picks up the mantle and runs with that next. Um, question for you, what's next for Saxby's? Um, there must be some goals. There must be some plans for how you intend to grow in new ways. What, what are you excited about? So, so I think when we when we look at like the, the same sort of on this theme of impact, right? So, so we certainly didn't create the the uh, the movement of impactful businesses. It's been around a really really long time. But historically speaking, most businesses that are measurably and certifiably impactful are small and have stayed small. Yeah. You know, and so I think one of the things that we are most motivated by at Saxby's is to prove that we can grow and that our financial and our impactful outputs will grow commiserate with one another. Right, like we had to change our articles of incorporation at Saxby's, where we went from a like every for-profit business in America shareholder primacy. You have one responsibility as a leader in your business: increase profits for the shareholders of the company. When you became a certified B Corp, you have to change your articles of incorporation yeah. and change the word shareholder to stakeholder. So I, my leadership team, our student CEOs, every decision we make every day has to benefit our stakeholders, not just our shareholders, not just our customers, as we call them guests, not just our employees, as we call team members, but our communities as well, right? So every decision is that much more heavy, that much more important. And therefore, I think there's this notion that that weighs companies down from being able to grow. Or if they grow, they grow at the expense of profit. And I don't believe that's the case mm -hmm. holistically. And I don't believe that that's the case for Saxby's. I think the more that we grow, our impact and our financial performance has been getting better and will continue to get better. So long-term, I hope that, and look, I know that this is altruistic, but like you, you don't accomplish much if you can't dream, right? And so I think, and I hope, that one day we become the one of the quintessential case studies of how and why to grow businesses as a certified B Corp. Because you can employ a lot of people. Your people can make really good livings. Your investors can make a lot of money. Your measurable impact on the environment and the community is better. Like that the holistic side of the business can be better. So our future, I think, A, is, is an experiential learning. You know, like yeah. we now describe ourselves as an education company disguised as a coffee company. 
Right. And, and B, we are on a mission for everybody who interacts with Saxby's, whether you get a paycheck from us, whether you invested money in us, whether we, we serve your community, that they, they objectively state that their world and their performance is better because Saxby's existed. You know, I think that we could do that on a very high level, but it's, but it's more, we live in a competitive world. You know, it hasn't been done by a lot of people, but, uh, but why not us? Yeah. Nick, what's something you've learned about the higher ed industry? Because now you spend so much of your, you know, your time around it that you didn't, that you would never would have guessed or that you didn't know before. So I would say, let me give a positive and a negative gene, yeah. right? So one, one of our core values is actually just care personally, communicate openly. Um, I yeah. pride myself, you know, my, my job is to walk the talk, right? It's actually, if I don't live our core values, nobody else will. But if I live our core values, everybody else feels empowered to be able to do the same thing. So I'll give the, the necessary positive. Higher ed is loaded with incredibly bright and motivated people who want to make a difference in students' lives. Like, I just, I love seeing that from big schools, small schools, people new into the industry, people who've been in the industry forever. I love that. So those are, those are, those are kindred spirits to us, right? Like that's the yeah. business that we're in. On the negative side, too, too many, in too many institutions, there's so much bureaucracy that people are rewarded to not change and to not innovate, despite the fact that they might like in their mission statement or their values or their public statements, they state the opposite, right? And like, that is, that is a bit frustrating, but like, I don't like, I don't benefit by being frustrated by it. I benefit by being motivated by it and by being a strategic partner who can help change that a little bit. And you are case in, you know, your case in point, right? I remember the first time I met you, like it was yesterday, you know, and it was like, I knew not only that this would be someone who'd be awesome to work with, but would be a partner who would make us better, you know, and that we would hopefully make the rider life and the rider community better as well. And so my, our first ever partner was John Fry, the president of Drexel University, who, you know, is, is an icon for, for, for the, for the reasons opposite of what I'm explaining, meaning like, that's just a guy who dreams and gets stuff done. And I remember him telling me early on, he's like, Nick, you're going to run into some people who say one thing and are just, just are not able to, or unwilling to innovate and change, move on. But when you find those people who will do it like Eugene, you jump right in with those people, give them your all, learn from them, you know, help, you know, help teach them some things and, and go on and make, make a difference in people's lives. And so that, that's what I've really learned in higher ed, but we're here to be, we're here to be additive and we're here to be, you know, synergistic. We're not here to replace anybody. We're here to impact students' lives, which is exactly why people chose going to the higher ed space in the first, in, in the first place. Well, thank you. That's very generous. I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, and I hear what you're saying, too. I mean, we realize that our students are watching us. They're watching what we do as an organization when we're a college of business. So the best thing that we could be doing is bringing, bringing in partners like Saxby's in, and having that be kind of a living laboratory demonstrated right downstairs in our home base. Exactly. And, and how you do it, right? Like, Gene, I've been on your campus many times with you. Your students know you, they seek you out, you go over to them. So it's not just like, oh, I'm so smart. I have a PhD. Look at my degrees. I'm a dean of a school. But like you walk the talk, like you're teaching the next generation of students to be entrepreneurs and leaders because you are transparent. You're reachable. You're consistent. You're a great human being. You're not someone who's sequestered in his office that no one's ever seen or can't get a meeting with, right? Like, if people want to be that kind of leader, they're not going to be great leaders moving forward. Great leaders are people that are available to their people. They know that they make mistakes. They learn from people, whether they're older, younger, more educated, less educated. And like you walk that, that, that talk every single day. And, and it's, yeah, we're, we're pleased and honored to, uh, to be your partner. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, very important question. What's your favorite menu item? So my, I drink the most of cold brew. So I'm, I'm a, uh, I drink 
quite a bit of Saxby's cold brew literally every single day. I transport it with me when I'm traveling. Um, I have some creative ways of, of doing that, but um, my my like secret menu item is uh, it's called the Cure, which is um, it's espresso over ice topped off with coconut water. Oh. And so it's it's it sounds very interesting, but like because coconut water is sweet, espresso is, is pretty bitter. Um, but our espresso is made in such a way that it actually mixes really really well with that. But I always tell people, if you like coconut water, try that drink. It's phenomenal. If you don't like coconut water, you'll just never like that drink. But the cure is amazing. Like that's my little like secret menu. So I, every cafe can make it. We have all the ingredients for it, and that's my. Uh, that's sort of my go-to. Wow, the secret's out. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for all of your help with this episode on the podcast, Nick. Really, it's been an honor to have you. My pleasure, Gene. Thank you. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kucher here on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. We're back on our Saxby's episode of Off the Clock, and we're about to talk to two Ryder Saxby's SCEOs. But while I have Nick Bayer here, I'd like to ask you, um, this SCEO position is really one of a kind in terms of student employment. What have you noticed is the biggest challenge that college campus Saxby's SCEOs have in the job? I would say almost unequivocally, Gene, that the biggest challenge our student CEOs have is managing their peers. Right, like it, it is, as you and I both know, managing people is really, really hard to do. Um, I've been managing people for well over 20 years at this point, and I'm still making mistakes. I'm still learning from it. Our average student CEOs are 19 and 20 years old, right? So most of them have never managed a single person before, let alone dozens, 40, 70, as some of our student CEOs manage. And so I think the hardest thing for all of our student CEOs is just that, right? Everybody comes into this no one's perfect and no one has that experience, right? So they either come in so overconfident on how well they're going to do it or underconfident, you know? And so those that come in overconfident quickly get humbled at how hard it is. And those who are who are underconfident, you know, ultimately come out, they all come out on the same side, which is they're properly confident, right? Like I love seeing those that know that they're going to struggle with it. They do struggle with it. Watching them come out the other side, they're like a... a not a new person per se, but they're the best version of themselves, right? They went through so much, they broke down, they were sad and concerned and they learned and they got better and they had made more success. And so I love seeing it come out the other side. And, and that's ultimately what this is about, right? Like we're creating the next generation of leaders and entrepreneurs. You can't be that without managing people. You can't learn how to manage people without making mistakes. That's quintessentially what this is about. And, and therefore that's what's hardest. Yeah, very good. Well, let's hear from them. We're going to turn it over to my interview with uh, Saxby's SCEOs. I'm joined by this year's two student CEOs, Grace Ramsey and Kaylina Brimich. Grace is a junior information systems major with a minor in web design. They're also a school record-setting javelin thrower on the track and field team and a member of Riders Data Analytics and Information Systems Club. Kaylina is a senior entrepreneurial studies major who is Riders Greek Council president, the Student Entertainment Council's VP, and a sister of Zeta Tau Alpha. Welcome, Grace and Kaylina. Grace and Kaylina, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. 
So I'm going to start by asking each of you, why did you decide to apply for this position of SCEO at Saxby's? Do you remember what about the experience attracted you about it? And we're going to go chronologically. So mm -hmm. Grace, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, so I remember just being like a team member and they said that I should be a team lead. And it was pretty quick when they told me to apply for team lead to go right to SEO and apply for that. And I wasn't set on my decision, but then I went to this thing that Nick was talking to online and he talked a lot about how you were gonna learn a lot about yourself mm -hmm. and how hard you were gonna work and how much you proved to yourself. And after I heard that and what like it gives you and how many skills it gives you, I was pretty much set on on doing it. You knew it was for you. Yeah. And quickly, what is a team lead within yeah. the structure of Saxby's? You do a lot more than just like a regular team member does. Like there has to be one team lead on shift at all times. Just someone who knows what they're doing. Also someone who's serve safe. You have to have a serve safe certification just so that you know all like the food safety rules and stuff. Great. And so Kaylin, is that, I don't think that's how it worked for you. <laughs> no. How did you first come into the <laughs> SEO role? Well, I was first interested in being a CEO when it immediately came to campus because I want to own my own restaurant. So mm. being your own boss and being a CEO was something that I always wanted to do. And I first applied and didn't get it. And I'm happy I didn't get it because I didn't have the experience that I needed to perform well in that situation. And then it popped up again during the fall of my senior year and I applied and I got it. So it was really nice. It definitely has given me a lot of experience and I'm very grateful for it. My next question is, I'm curious about what you think the biggest challenge has been in this SCEO experience. Grace, what would you say was the biggest challenge? Probably because I had worked at Saxby's for a year before I became SEO. I was really good friends with all of my team members. Um, so it was kind of a hard transition from like being really, really good friends with them to having right. to basically be their boss and tell them what to do. And it was hard to gain their respect because I knew they had respect for me, but they just all, it was hard to make the line where like what they were doing was OK or not like goofing off like was OK sometimes. But, you know, it was hard to like yell at them, not really yell at them, but, mm -hmm. you know, coach them and tell them what they were supposed to be doing because I didn't want to make them upset. But we had to kind of make that line where if we're at work, I'm your boss. But, you know, outside of work, we can be friends. So that was really hard for me. And it's hard for anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of those things that's difficult to do. Uh, and it's a different type of challenge when you don't know a team and you're managing them versus yeah. when you're very close and now suddenly there's this power differential. Mm -hmm. So I could only imagine. But I think handling it up, being upfront and setting some parameters probably, you know, that's good advice that you gave. Yeah. How about you, Kaylena? What do you think? What do you think is the biggest challenge that you're having as a CEO? The biggest challenge I'm having is making sure we're in stock mm -hmm. and making sure that the cafe is well equipped for rushes or even if we run out of something, we have to run over to commissary and it just slows down the whole production. And that was a really big struggle with me in the beginning because I didn't know how how much to bring over like I went over pars which is what we have in the cafe and how much you should bring over but we were like flying through the pars so my first week I ran out of bananas bread like everything you need to make things I ran out uh -huh. of it so that was really a humbling experience but <laughs> and where do you have to go to get this for those of us who are in right. the world <laughs> we have to go to crayons and in the back like refrigerator area that's where we keep all our freezer and refrigerated items in there 
All right. So all of us who are listening that's on campus, when you see one of them <laughs> or so, frantically pushing the cart right, from yes, exactly. cranberries back over to Swiger, exactly. you know, get out of their way <laughs> <Yes>. because <laughs> your meal depends on it. Right. right. We need to get back in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in th- now moving on, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned that you're bringing forth to whatever you do next after your Saxby's experience? Grace. I would think probably patience. I mean, there was like Kayleon was saying, like we go through rushers and in the beginning it was really stressful. And I feel like I take a lot of things like personally, like I can't change how many people were ordering, but it would just get me so stressed out. And like, you know, having to go to commissary and things not being done and people not showing up to their shifts. Like, and then I had to come in and I just like took a lot of it personally and it made me really upset. And cause like a lot of it does reflect back on us, even if it's not our fault. So that's just something I had to become patient with and I mean, just being patient throughout was something I just really learned and I'm going to take with me because I did become a lot more patient and a lot more understanding of myself. Yeah, yeah. And and I've said this to both of you before, but your persona, your mannerisms, you know, the whole behind all of this chaos that's happening with lines or with a, a rush downstairs or all these people, the two of you, you can tell that you're in charge. If I didn't know you and I looked, I could just tell there's something. <laughs> Both of you have this poise about you that you could tell that you're in charge. So you might have been feeling that underneath the surface, but yeah. you looked calm, cool, and collected to anybody else. Uh, mm-hmm. Kayleen, how about you? What's a lesson that you would take from there, you think? I think my biggest lesson is not putting everything on myself that there are other people in the cafe that I can lean on. I feel like in the beginning, I thought I was a one-man show, like you're the CEO, so you should be doing everything, you should be running around, and I had to put a lot of, it's really about delegating and giving other people a chance to also do their job, because in the beginning, it felt like I was trying to do everyone else's Mm -hmm. job, and that's that was really stressful for me and it wasn't good on my mental health. So biggest challenge for sure. It, it sure is. And you know, you have a team, you have a staff, you mm-hmm. have a, for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think when Use people <laughs> become managers, it's, they come into that position because they're successful mm-hmm. at being so competent mm-hmm. and you kind of get reinforced for doing it all yourself, having mm-hmm. the answers, being the best. But at some point, like you're, you have a team and you're not going to be doing your best mm-hmm. anymore without relying on them and building right. their competencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. As the CEO, you were in charge of the cafe, but you were working with the support of Saxby's headquarters. Uh, And I know how um, motivated they are when it comes to managing your performance and providing that support. Can you give any examples of how you've interacted with Saxby's headquarters in your job? I had a lot of help with uh, coaching counseling forms that are given out when we usually miss out on something that can be better performed on. And I was really afraid to get these coaching and counseling forms because in a way it was like a slap on the wrist, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, we can improve on this a little bit better. You missed out on this. And even though I was really afraid to fail, it really moves you along in the process of, yes, I didn't do this right, but I can improve on this in the future. I know this is something that I'm weak at, but Saxby's is pushing me along to do better things in the company. So good. Yeah. That's how it should work is yeah. that there's some mechanism to um, not be afraid to fail because mm-hmm. it can lead to a better success in the future for you and for the company. So that's right. a great example. Um, I, we have our pod system. So we have like leadership trainers and head of area operations that like check in with us almost every day. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot more experience than us. Some have been like 
past SEOs at other schools. So like we're just getting this experience and like say like something happens in the cafe or something with a team member and you don't know what to do, that you have people to go to that have that experience in those types of situations that can help you through that. And if we didn't have that, I would probably be pretty lost. I wouldn't know what to do, especially in really hard situations. So that was really helpful whenever I had like a problem with the team member, I had to have a tough conversation. They always guided me through that. Great, great. Well, on behalf of all of us who enjoy the grilled cheese and the coffee, <laughs> et cetera, thank you for running a really good cafe um, downstairs. It means a lot to all of us. And congratulations for seeing what a great opportunity it is for your careers. Thank you. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kucher. Here on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. I'm back with the founder and CEO of Saxby's, Nick Bayer, and we're about to talk to an alum as CEO, Anna Corelli. Uh, before we move to that, I'm going to ask Nick, when it comes to this SCEO experience, what is your goal? What do you hope that the SCEOs that have worked for you across different campuses before, what do they take with them from that experience as they start their career? I would say there's two key things, Gene. The first is a very personal one for them, which is they get challenged in this in a way that most of them have never been challenged before, right? And we don't know what we're capable of until we really get challenged, right? And so I think the first and foremost thing is I want student CEOs to come out of this with a whole nother level of self-confidence and, and confidence in how capable they actually are. The second thing is, is for them to have built skills to find passions to go pursue what it is that they love to do. But like th those are the two things that I want for all of our student CEOs, because we work a lot in our lives, right? Like we're only going to work more hours. We're only going to work more years over time. So why not do something that A, you love to do and B, you're prepared to do really, really well. And I think that we are very much in the business of helping students find those skills and have the passion and the confidence to, to be able to go and do those things really well. Wonderful. Thank you again, Nick. Today's alumni guest is Anna Corelli, a class of 2022 management and leadership and HR management dual major, who was Ryder's inaugural Saxby student CEO. She oversaw the launch of our Saxby's Cafe in Swigert Hall in October of 2021 after attending a three-week boot camp at various Saxby's locations to learn the ins and outs of cafe operations. Anna is currently a recruiting specialist in the professional staffing group at Contemporary Staffing Solutions. Welcome to Anna Corelli. Anna, it's such a pleasure to have you here on the Off the Clock podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. So let's see, you could have been a cafe manager at some other cafe, and you also could have had an on-campus interview some, doing something else at Ryder. So I'm curious, how would you describe that Saxby's SCEO experience? What would you say made it unique and attractive to you? What made it unique for me, I think the biggest thing was the fact that I got to be with a team that was starting out the same way as me, going to school full time and then wanting to learn kind of the real workplace. I know not a lot of people have that opportunity to almost get a chance to chat and work full time and also make a difference between not only the people they're working with, but also the people they're helping every day, which really stood out to me. 
Yeah, it's it's like you are working, but you know you're also going to school together. You're also friends. So this idea that you're working in your home for people that you go to school with, I mean, it must be a pretty uh, a pretty fun time, but a lot of responsibility for you. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was like understanding that you may have anything happening around you, whether that be your grades, things at home, everything like that. But you have to realize that other people around you also have that. The team you're working with also have those struggles. So trying to combat both, making sure you have the utmost faith in the team that you're working with, as well as understanding if you fail at the same time, they're going to have your back to support you. That's great. And I try to remember what it felt like on a daily basis when you were working at the cafe. I know it's been a while. What do you think was the most rewarding element of that experience for you? The most rewarding element for me had to be seeing the original team grow. Because I know I had a shortened period, unlike the other SEOs, but getting to see that team from the ground up really made a difference with me, at least. I love seeing others grow around me, and it was a big step for me to understand, like, I'm making an impact on them. Yeah, right. And how about the most challenging piece? Most challenging was probably waking up super early every morning. I think I had to be in the cafe around 6.37 every morning, and I am not a morning person, so Mm -hmm. that was probably the biggest struggle for me. And and you were our very first Ryder Saxby's as CEO, so you kind of didn't have a model. You didn't really get to watch someone else do it first. So I'd imagine that was probably challenging, too. You're pioneering in that way, right? (laughs) Yes, I think... The biggest thing that helped me were the different leaders I had around me, whether that be my old managers, you especially, um, Dr. Permisolo, who was a great help throughout the entire process. Everyone around me who has showed me leadership really helped me kind of promote the best leadership probably in the workplace that I was in. Yeah, I like to think of it as a true engaged learning experience where, you know, we all say engaged learning is about taking what you're doing in the classroom and applying it to what you're doing. That's a real great example, especially because you mentioned Dr. Promislow, you know, learning about management from him and then actually doing it downstairs. Like uh, that's pretty engaged learning is, it was, is what I think. It was fantastic. It. Uh, his management skills class, actually, everything I learned of that, I was able to apply it to my position at uh, Saxby's. It has now been over a year since you finished the experience, believe it or not. Uh, What do you think the job taught you about business or leadership? The job taught me so many different aspects. I know that understanding financials was a big thing for me. I, when I was younger, wanted to have my own business and understanding that not only do you have to think about the products you're supplying, but also the people you're working with need to get paid. You yourself also have to get paid as well. So kind of understanding every financial aspect of it was Mm -hmm. a big eye opener for me because a lot of people think, oh, it's just the products you're being supplied. No, it's every working part in that as well. Yeah. And I know you're in the recruiting space right now in your career. And I remember that you were really driven about uh, about the people part of your leadership, you know, that, that that part of the management experience. Is there any way that in your current role, as a recruiter, you remember things that you were doing or that you were working with when you were at Saxby's that's helpful. Yeah, actually, as a recruiter, I get to talk to so many different people, see their resumes every day, and try to find their best job or fit opportunity. And it really helps me remember that a lot of people that I worked with at uh, Saxby's didn't have a job prior to this. They might have never had any experience in the workplace. And giving them the shot, you can really see how people can grow, where it's not just what you have on your resume, it's really your personality that comes through as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And now that we're talking about advice, can you um, 
give any advice to students who might be listening that might think, I wonder if I should be a Saxby's SCEO? I say if you have the determination to want to work at Saxby's to 100% go for it. I think this experience was one of the best experiences I could have had in my college career, and it really shaped me to be the best person I am today. So I will always hands down say to go for it. Even if you don't think you're going to get it, keep mm -hmm. going for it. Go for a different opportunity. Never set yourself so short. You want to make sure you're always reaching for something new. Very well said. Would it be a good idea if somebody wanted to eventually be a Saxby's SCEO to start out as a team member early in their college career, you think? Yeah, I think that actually helps you understand everything that's all the moving parts pretty much. Understanding the very bottom to the very top, you see everything. So I definitely would say join the team. The team has been amazing, will always be amazing, and it's just a great experience. Wonderful. So well said, it's great to see you again, Anna. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back with the Off The Clock Podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. And we're back to Off The Clock with Dean Kuchar here on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome back to Off The Clock. I'm joined now by Charles Ray, our episode guests and members of our Off The Clock team. Thank you all for being here for my favorite part of the episode, Game Time. And to remind everyone listening, our three guests are each playing today's game time segment on behalf of a student drawn from our social media network. However, today's names are not randomly drawn, but are in fact three Brodsky Bronx siblings. Kaylina, please tell us who you're playing for. I'm planning to win for Christina Mihalishian. All right, and Grace, which sibling are you playing for? I'm in it to win it for Alina Mihalishian. And Anna, please tell us who you're playing for. I'm playing for Taras Mihalishian. Okay, then. This is good. So thank you, contestants. As usual, we have two fun games to play. Think of our first game today as an ode to the ultimate Saxby's side dish, the air tot. Pulling. This game is called Later Tater. Charles, how do you play Later Tater? Our research team has uncovered a wealth of information about tater tots, but as you'll see, they make some mistakes when it comes down to the details. Each contestant will be given an important date in history of tater tots. And you'll have to tell us if the correct date is earlier than that or later than that. A correct answer in this game will win you three points. Grace, you're up first. Tater tots first hit the grocery store shelves in 1968. Was the actual date earlier or later than 1968? Mm, earlier. That is correct. It is earlier. They were introduced on the menu of the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami, Florida in 1954, and then they hit grocery stores in 1956, earlier than 1968. Good job. So that means that you've got some points on your scoreboard. All right, three points for Grace. Anna, you're up. National Tater Tot Day is celebrated each year on June 1st. Is the actual day earlier in the year or later than in the year? I think it's later. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's earlier in the year than June 1st. It's actually on February 2nd. You may have missed it because it conflicts with Groundhog's Day. But it is, in fact, February 2nd. 
National Tater Tot Day. All right, and last but not least, Kalina, it's your turn. Probably the biggest tater tot innovation happened in 2000 when vegetable-based tater tots hit the market. Did this actually happen earlier or later than 2000? I'm gonna go with later. You're right, it was later. It was 2016, which is later than 2000. So we have a special addition to this later tater game, and this is coming in the form of an extra credit question. So we're going now to reenact a movie scene in which tater tots is an important part of the movie. After which, you will each type your answer, what movie is this from, into the chat box. For everyone listening, we happen to be on Zoom. Okay? So listen closely. Trisha, you can get started. Tater tots play an important role in this iconic 2004 indie film. First, listen to the dramatic reading of a pivotal scene and then identify the movie. The scene, two characters sit in a high school cafeteria. How long did it take you to grow that mustache? A couple days. You gonna eat your tots? No. Character one reaches over the table, takes all of the character two's tater tots from his lunch tray, unzips his pants pocket, and stuffs the tater tots into his pants pocket for later. What is this movie? A little bit of time has passed. We just read the answers and all contestants correctly identified that the movie is, everyone, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, great. Great movie if you haven't seen it and great use of the tater tot as a starring role in the film. So to review the scores after the first game, we have a two-way tie at the moment with five points for each Grace and Kaylina and two points for Anna. Let's move into our second game. So let's get into our second game. Our second game is called B Corps. Yes, Gene. Saxby's is noted for being a B Corporation, which is an organization that chooses to reach the highest standards for social and environmental performance and accountability. We in the Norm Brodsky College of Business salute B Corps everywhere. But the game works much better when we are more literal than that. We have a list of companies that start with the letter B along with three sentences that describe the company. If you, are, if you correctly identify the B business after the first sentence, you receive five points. After the second sentence, you'll receive three points. And after the third sentence, you'll receive one point. You all got that? Anna, you're up first. This company, originally called The Sound of Music, was one of the first to carry its own plastic gift cards. I need the second sentence. Fair enough, that's why we have more. This big box electronic retailer's mission statement is to enrich lives through technology by leveraging their unique combination of tech expertise and human touch to meet their customers' everyday needs. I need the third sentence. Okay, we have a third. This is the home of the Geek Squad. Best Buy. It is Best Buy, good. Best Buy, and did you know that because of the price tag shape of the gift card, it is said to be the only gift card that consumers can recognize with their eyes closed? I did not know that. Yeah, well, you have a point for that. All right, so now, Grace, you're up. This company was one of the first to pump in Muzak into its stores to provide a soothing experience for customers who often sat for hours sipping coffee and sampling its products. I need the second sentence. Amazon has its Kindle, and this company has its Nook. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like I should be getting this, but I need the third sentence. That's why we have three of them, though. If you're a writer student, the odds are you're wearing or reading something from our campus extension of this company located across from the Center for Diversity and Inclusion in the BLC. Barnes and Noble. It is Barnes and Noble. It's Barnes and Noble, and that gives you a point here. So you're in the game in B Corps game two. And Kylina, that leaves you up next. This company made news when it froze salaries for its executives so that nobody could make more than five times that of entry-level employees. And the operative word here is froze. May I have the second sentence, please? Of course. This subsidiary of Unilever is known for its political activism, its clever product names, and its delicious pints. Mm, I'm going to go with the third sentence just to play it safe. Its popular titles in 2022 included Cherry Garcia, Half Baked, and Tonito. Ben and Jerry's. It is Ben and Jerry's. Yep, another one point in here. As a fun fact, Ben and Jerry's was originally going to be a bagel company, but Ben and Jerry found the bagel making equipment to be too pricey. Their plan was to deliver bagels, lox, cream cheese, and the New York Times on Sunday mornings. But life is so much better for all of us that they went with ice cream, if you ask me. So let's see, for those who are keeping score, this is exciting here on Off the Clock Game Time because we have a tie. And we have a solution for that. We have a tiebreaker round. And for the tiebreaker round, we're going back to tater tots. Okay, so we have Kaylina and Grace as our final two contestants now battling it out. Kaylina, the first question about tater tots goes to you. Tater tots were introduced by a frozen food company whose name was formed from combining the first three letters from each state of the two states in which they operated. What is the name of this potato company? Imagine yourself walking through the frozen foods aisle. You're looking into the freezer. You see a bag of tater tots. And you look to the top left-hand corner. You see three letters that remind you of one state and then three letters that remind you of another state. For those at home, I just noticed on our Zoom that muted Charles Ray got it. Oh, it seems like everyone knows and I'm over here stumped. Um. Three seconds. Nothing's coming to mind. I don't know. Ida something? So close, Kayleen. So close. The answer was or Ida. Or Idaho or Ida. Hmm. Okay. I actually pronounced it or Ida. I never knew that's where the name came from. So and I'm the king of of mispronunciation. So that's for what it is. Grace, this is your moment to shine here. We have a tater tot question for you too. Within 50 tots, and remembering that a serving size is six tots, what do you think is the world record for the most tater tots eaten in five minutes? Um, hmm, 300? Grace, you just won. The answer was 250 tater tots in five minutes, and you are right within that 50. Congratulations, we have a very hard fought victory from Grace Ramsey. Congratulations. Kaylee, you fought right to the end there. Anna, you did a respectable showing. This was a very <laughs> fun, uh, a very fun episode for game time. Grace, can you tell us who it is that you're playing for again? Can you remind us? Yes, it's Olena Mihailishian. Olena's gonna be very happy that now she won because of your 
uh, hard work. And I would recommend Air Tots. Me too. For anybody who has uh, has a hunger for a little snack this afternoon. Thank you, contestants, for playing. It was a pleasure to have you on the episode. Thank you for having us. Thank you to our episode guests and to all of our friends at Saxby's, at the Ryder Cafe, and at headquarters. And thank you for listening. Remember that we in the Brodsky College are here on the clock to provide a dynamic and innovative integrated business education along with firsthand high-impact experiences like working at Saxby's. And I'll be here off the clock, maybe with a lavender glow mate spritz, to talk about it. Thank you for listening. Keep on learning. Thank you for joining us for the Off the Clock podcast here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Special thanks to our host, Dr. Gene Kucher, our production staff, Jim Wister, Trisha Adams, and Liz Carrion, and everyone at the all-new digital broadcast studios of 1077 The Bronx and 1077TheBronx.com, including the incomparable John Moses. This is your OTC announcer, Charles Ray, saying, see you next time when we can get together off the clock.